Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Four authors, four books, one hour. Are you ready? We are Shannon Cook, Michelle Medlock-Adams, Wendy Hinot-Lania, I hope I pronounced the name right, and Mary Holloman. Let's go. <laughs> well, I know you got Shannon Cook right, and Shannon, you are our first guest. I want to say you are our first contestant. Uh, <laughs> it can't be the price is right. That name's taken. On Dotted Steve in the morning, we want to talk about your brand new book that is coming out next week, and it kind of preludes Earth Day. Now, that's something that maybe Christ followers don't always talk about, but this is something near and dear to your heart. So you have written the children's book, I Made the Earth. What was it about caring for what God has given us in creation that just brought you to a point where you said, hey, we got to talk about this and we need to talk about it with our kids? Um, I think a lot of things. One, I looked for a Christian Earth Day book and I couldn't find one. So that was my first like tip off that I need to write this book. Um, and ultimately, too, I have a lot of people in my life who don't believe in God and they love the earth. And so I want a bridge that we can say, here's something we both care about. Let's meet there. And then I can tell you why I care. <laughs> You know, I think there I are some Christians who kind of struggle to know what to do with Earth Day because, mm-hmm. you know, there are some who celebrate it and just kind of this way of Mother Earth. And, you know, it, it's very, in a sense, anti-Christian or at least potentially could be. So how would you encourage Christians to think about that and potentially use Earth Day as a bridge? Well, God made it very clear that it's our job to protect creation that he's given to us to enjoy. And um, that's the second command he gives to Adam and Eve after being fruitful. So for me, it's so clear that um, we've been we've been called to do this, to take care of creation. And so we can join in that conversation in a way where we're motivated by the directing of God. So the creator himself. So I say, I I don't think that it needs to be political. It can really be just about joining hands with people who may disagree with us, but we all have the same purpose. I so appreciate that your heart behind this was a connecting tool. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's like, it's either them or us. And we lose the heart of the gospel in that kind of thinking. When you wrote this book and you said, I want to make this a tool and a bridge, what was the... Kind of what was your story behind it? What have you told your kids? Well, um, again, I was looking for this book because I loved I love seasonal books. I love holiday books. And we love Earth Day. My husband has worked in green energy for 20 years. And so I couldn't find the book. And I went to bed thinking someone should write that. And then I woke up the next morning and God said, I think it should be you. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't know how to write picture books. Um, but luckily, God does know how to write picture books, and He was His hand was in every single every single step of this process. One of the things that I know that you are a big believer in is that God and science are not enemies. And sometimes yeah. that is a message that culture will will try and say, "Well, you have to pick one or the other." I want you to talk for just a moment about that. When you say God and science are not enemies, how what what do you mean by that? Well. 
I, I've been going to a church for 18 years. My pastor was um, a chemist before he was a pastor. So he's always sort of in his messages been like God created science. He's not surprised by it. He's not afraid of it. Um, and the more we study science, the more it points to a creator. So I've just never been afraid of the, the conversation of science because I believe that God created it all and that he did it in a magnificent way. Don't you think that oftentimes, and I'll just speak from my own experience, that when I shut down, it's because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yep. to to learn more, to to get more education, if you will, and we could go back to the scriptures and we can look to others that are Christ followers that have done the research and we don't have to stay in shutdown mode. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like if um, if your faith if your faith shatters the second anyone brings up the word science, it's not strong enough. Um, God, God is bigger than that and he can handle it and he made it. <laughs> yeah. You know, Don kind of alluded to this uh, earlier and like, how do you have these, some of these conversations with your kids? So for moms and dads who right now are thinking about, I know Earth Day's coming and I know my kids are going to probably hear messages at school and I want to make sure that we participate and engage and do so well. What would you maybe encourage Christian families to do with Earth Day just around the corner? Yeah, just take a step. Um, I think a lot of times involving the kids is really important. Our first grader was the reason why we started recycling. She came home and said, why don't we recycle? And we're like, because we're lazy. Um, (laughs) Our family too. So that was years ago. And she helped us, you know, come up with an idea for that. And I would say, just take a step or two, involve the kids. And um, maybe it's taking a walk and and picking up trash, or maybe it's just taking a walk to see everything that's out there that's beautiful to protect and love. Um, whatever it is, just make one step and then move forward from there. I think um, we can all be friends of the earth, and we can do it because we love our Lord. Yeah, it, he has given us all these things, and like you said, to steward Shannon and to to have dominion over. That means we should care. I appreciate Shannon Cook. You have written the book, I Made the Earth, talking about God's perspective on what he has given us in creation. An absolutely beautiful children's book. I think you're going to really connect with this and appreciate, Shannon, what you have done. And so we're going to connect you to I Made the Earth through our Facebook page. That's easy to find at Dawn and Steve in the morning. Head on over to Facebook to get info on all of today's guests on the show. Call or text 800-555-7898 to join the conversation. Michelle Medlock-Adams is joining us. And Michelle has been such a wonderful guest a few times lately. And we're thankful you're able to join us again. You have a new book coming out called Love Connects Us All. And this is a board book. Now, I got to confess, Michelle, I don't have the book in my hands. I know it releases a few weeks from now. Um, but a board book, a children's book, but it's helping us talk about story and God's love and purpose for family. What makes Michelle Medlock Adams take on a book like this? You know, I think family is probably the most important thing that we can talk to our kids about. When we when we speak to them about being a part of God's family, if they don't understand what their their unit, their small family is, It's really hard to explain like a father, our heavenly father's love. And so this particular book, I wanted children to be able to find themselves no matter what their family makeup is. Maybe there's only one parent living in the home or possibly grandparents are raising them. Maybe even um, they are, they've in foster care or they were adopted. 
I wanted every child to be able to find themselves in this book. And that's that was really my heart when writing it. So we made sure that the illustrations show that and and the ultimate message is we're all a part of God's family. How cool is that? You know, as you think about these different ways that families may look, certainly one of those would be single parent families. And so um, for those who are maybe single parents and they're trying to communicate the idea of family to their children, what, what ideas, suggestions, ways would you maybe encourage them to talk about that? So I just did an article about this actually for a magazine, and I interviewed several um, single parent families. And, and I asked them, I said, you know, how can we as in the church and in the community be the hands and feet of Jesus to, to y'all? Because, I mean, it was hard enough. I had a husband helping me, and it was tough with two little girls. And so, um, and and you know, what every single one answered me was just to know that we belong, just that that we're not second, that we're not less than because we only have one parent in the home. So I think if, if single parent families can communicate that to their children, hey, we look, may look different than some of the other families, but we are exactly the family that God designed. And then as churches and as communities, if we can also relay that message and then be practical in helping them, whatever they might need, whether it might be childcare or, or helping them like watch the, watch the children while they go to the grocery store by themselves, be those people. <laughs> be those people. It's yeah. true. I, I can remember when our firstborn, which was such a radical change from no kids to one child, was with us. And I didn't know how to go to the grocery store alone. But somebody in our church said, here's how we're going to learn this. And she helped me so much. There's a connecting piece within family, though, that gives us a picture of the love of God, Michelle. And I know you want families to be able to articulate that with kids. And I'm going to suspect this is also part of why you have brought to us Love Connects Us All, is it not? Absolutely. I mean, I think if we can just show that that love of God, the love of God is different than just our human love, right? But if we can say, Lord, just just let your love shine through me to my to my children, to my spouse, to to the family of God. Boy, I mean, that goes a long way. And and children need to see themselves in this book. They need to know that they belong not only in their particular family, but in the family of God. It's it just gives you all the feels. <laughs> You know, one of the challenges that some families are facing is blending of two families. You know, yes. now all of a sudden you uh, go from maybe a single parent situation to we've got so many more people in the house right now and having to struggle with that. Uh, what, what's your encouragement to blended families this morning? <laughs> My sister, actually, they had a blended family. And so I we, I walked through that with her. I know exactly that can be difficult. Lots of personalities coming together, all loving Jesus, but sometimes not really liking each other. I think that's true, whether you're blended or adopted or just grew up as, as actual uh, physical siblings. But uh, again, God is just the answer and that love connects us all. And I think that uh, it's just good to be really open with your communication with your kids. Hey, I understand that this is different and this might be difficult and you might not feel like you're important, but you're important. You're important to me. You're important to this family and you're important to God. Yeah, Michelle, we were talking to a family yesterday, and they were talking about how within the sisters, they may have conflict, but they learn to resolve it. And because of our love for one another, that is a key component, but it's one that has to be learned. I know with all your writings and connecting with families, your own and others, how key is it to resolve those conflicts? What can we do to, to help one another do that? Boy, I mean, if we could answer that, we would be uh, gazillionaires. 
mean, yeah. even adult siblings have a problem with that. I think mm-hmm. sometimes I'm with yeah. an older, I'm the youngest. So I'm often, you know, in that middle, but I will say that, um, you know, having that game, that communication and, and, and saying with my girls, I used to make them hug each other, which they hated at the end of a fight. I'd say, tell each other you love each other and that you're sorry. And they, they do it through gritted teeth sometimes, but it was just that I wanted them to have that physical touch to know that we love each other and that we may not agree on everything, but what we can agree on is that we love each other and we're going to be there for each other the same way that our heavenly father is there for us, no matter how ugly we act. Hmm. And, and so just knowing that it's not a conditional love, but I love you in the good days, the bad days and all the in-between days. That's a, an important message yes. for us to be able to uh, share with our kids to model uh, for them. And uh, you've written about that love that connects us all. That's the title of Michelle's uh, newest book that is soon to be released, talking about God's love and purpose for family and the importance of teaching that to our kids. We want to connect you with this book and with Michelle. You're going to find links at our Facebook page. On Facebook, you're just looking for Don and Steve in the morning. Dawn and Steve are on Twitter. Just search for D&S Mornings. Well, we are uh, glad to welcome Wendy Hynote Lanier to the conversation this morning. She has written a book, The Dog That Gave My Brother Words, and a fascinating story, uh, really bringing to our attention autism uh, awareness. And Wendy, appreciate uh, your time with us this morning. W- with autism actually on the rise and affecting so many families in one way or another today, what what's your message for those who are dealing with autism? Well, um, First of all, you know, it can be dealt with. I mean, you, it's not a death sentence, just like, uh, you know, I'm also a, a step parent for a deaf child. And uh, sometimes when people get a diagnosis they of anything, they just feel like their lives have come to an end. So don't feel like that, that it's insurmountable. Besides, you know, God's got you through this. He's going to help you find the resources that you need. He's, he's there for you. Excuse me. So you you can find there are ways uh, to deal with the situation and it's it's not it's not insurmountable. And there are a lot of people on the spectrum who are leading very uh, productive lives, obviously, because autism is a um, a spectrum. You have people who are low functioning. You also have people who have PhDs and are running businesses and those kinds of things. So, you know, it, it it'll be fine. It will. Eventually, it will be fine. And you're right. There are so many resources. Your new book, The Dog That Gave My Brother Words, is honestly a resource to help tell a story of how a life was impacted by a dog. Can you right. tell us tell us the backstory on this one? Well, it actually stems from um, I went back to school in my 50s and um, I was working on a um, degree, a speech pathology degree. And uh, I came across this photo. And the photo was of a young boy lying on the floor with his head on his dog reading a book. Okay, that in and of itself is sweet, but there's nothing special about it, except that sitting behind him was his this woman and she was weeping. And I thought, and I couldn't, you know, then I immediately started reading and it turned out that the boy was autistic and his mother was, it was like the first normal day they'd ever had in a library. And they were, he was just doing a boy thing. He was lying there reading a book with his dog and she was just overcome. And I was inspired by that photo to write the book. Now, I caveat here, I'm not an expert in autism. 
but I wanted to, I thought this would be a good way, way to raise awareness about autism. And also, I just think dogs are God's gift to people, and they're good for anything that ails you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you got a... Don't uh, listen, Susie, don't listen. Yeah, exactly. You, you have a, uh, somebody on the other side of the studio here who's probably cheering up and down yeah. and saying, yes, yeah, that is so true. <laughs> well, you uh, talk about uh, degree in speech pathology. You also uh, have degrees in elementary education, so certainly know how to uh, speak to kids, but sometimes kids have a hard time speaking back. I'm sure you've come across yes. and had to deal with kids who have struggled with that, even nonverbal yes. uh, children. What, yes. what tips What tips would you have for us to deal with those who uh, maybe are nonverbal? Well, first of all, only about 40% of people on the spectrum are nonverbal. Hmm. Uh, but if your child is nonverbal, that doesn't mean they don't want to communicate with you, but you're going to have to find a different way to do that. Remember that autism means that someone's brain just works a little differently than the, the regular way. They process information differently. They process sensory information differently. And so um, look for alternative methods of communication. You've got, first of all, you have sign language and then you have a communication board. Sometimes it's just a matter of holding up a little card, you know, or touching, a, a button and that button then uh, makes a voice or issues something that they would like to uh, say. Um, anything that works, the goal is to develop multiple ways for your child to communicate not and, and not just speech. And that'd be for any of us. We all need to have multiple ways to communicate, but you especially want to do that for autistic kids. Mm -hmm. And Jesus communicates with us so well. He does that through his yes. word, through the power of his spirit. And as you have brought this resource together, the dog that gave my brother words, this book releasing here in a couple of weeks, what is it about the life of Jesus and about what he has done for us that helps us to relate to one another? Well, you know, the Bible tells us that love is patient and love is kind. And Jesus told us to love one another. We are, that is, that's how they know we're believers. That's how they know we're Christians is by our love. And so we want to treat everyone with kindness and patience, even if we don't agree with them. But in the case of people on the spectrum, uh, and because what you mentioned earlier, this is on the rise. The incidence is like one in 44 now. It was one in 10,000 25 years ago. And so don't assume that the hissy fit you see in the grocery store is just a child that is misbehaving. It could be someone on the spectrum. And so instead of the disapproving look and the, um, you know, instead of saying, doing something or saying something, just offer up a prayer for peace. Because once those, those cortisol levels goes up, go up, that child is incapable of controlling themselves. It takes a good hour, an hour and a half for that to come back down. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can, you know, be patient, be kind, long suffering. Those are, you know, love one another. Uh, even the fruit of the spirit, I hear you saying yeah. in yeah. in your response there. We are grateful, Wendy High Note Lanier, that you have put together this book, The Dog That Gave My Brother words. And of course, if you have someone in your family on the spectrum, this is going to definitely resonate with your heart and your mind. Appreciate this. We'll connect you to Wendy's book through our Facebook page. That is Don and Steve in the morning. Good morning, Moody Radio.
Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Why not take them with you wherever you go? Download the Moody Radio app. Oh, and that's how you could go back and listen to anything that you missed because we don't want you to miss the conversation we're about to have with Mary Holloman. Mary, you've written a children's book, The Anxious Lily. And I, <laughs> good morning. I'll, I'll start with good morning. <laughs> good morning. It's great to be here. Can I just be honest? When I got the book in my hand, I went, okay, we're going to talk about anxiety. And there, I have this tension in my spirit because I've experienced anxiety like I've never had it before in the last few years. Before that, it was just like, okay, we all get anxious. We all have moments. I kind of understand it more than I did. So I see this and, I, and we want to address it with our children, but then you don't want to give it too much space in your life. But it's a reality. So what was the tension for you in in your heart and in your family that you said, no, we need to talk about this and let's put it in a children's book? Yeah, so I have experienced anxiety for much of my life. And but you mentioned in the last few years, since 2020 happened, I think our children and adults, we have just been thrust into this uh, situation where we're so worried about everything. Um, and I just really felt I was in a, a church one day and my pastor was preaching on Matthew chapter six, and he was talking about how God cares for even the lilies and their clothes finer than kings. And doesn't he also care for you? And I just got this really silly mental image of a lily bent over to the ground and like just hunched and trying to make clothing. I thought that was so funny. And then I was like, oh my goodness, that's me. Like I'm bent over to the ground when I am so worried about the what ifs, what could happen, what might happen to my kids. And that's how our children feel too. It's this internal tension. We're all tied up in knots. And so I just really felt that we needed a visual of that and we needed to put it into words. And so that's really the heart, you know, behind the story. There's one line in the book that says, while you bend and worry, the world is awake and to hide from your purpose would be a mistake. And so I just love making that connection between anxiety and our spiritual posture, because when we're bent down to the ground and worry, we're not standing to our full stature to give God the glory that he deserves. And that's really the heart of what anxiety is doing in, inside of us. And as an adult, sometimes we can kind of understand these feelings, those these emotions. We may struggle, but maybe sometimes can find a way to put words to some of this. A lot of times our kids can't. And they they don't know even what's necessarily going on inside. And so what are some common signs that parents could maybe look for if they suspect their kids might be dealing with anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. And every child is different and you know your child best. I would say, look at the things that just seem a little bit off. What's not typical for your child. It can manifest in anger, like outbursts of anger. An interesting thing happening in your brain when you are worried is that the blood is moving away from the front of your brain. Um, which is where you can make logical decisions and reasoning. And so it can look like that fight or flight response. It can look like trying to avoid the thing that's making them feel nervous or afraid. It might look like having trouble sleeping or um, a lack of focus. But the main thing is, I think, just to be a student of your child, to know them and study them. And when you see things um, that are off, maybe ask yourself the question, what's going on in our lives right now that may be causing some tension? Is there a move? Is there a new school? Is there um, maybe someone at school that's kind of giving them some trouble? Um, is there relationships that are strained? Ask yourself those questions and maybe take an inventory of what's going on in your child's life at that time. I so love this beautiful book, The Anxious Lily, because you allow the story to be told through the lily, and then you bring the resolve of the truth of God's Word and how He has created us. And, and 
reminding our kids as well as ourselves as adults that we must choose to stand on the truth and the promise of God's word. That's so beautifully said in this book. Thank you so much. Yeah, there is a, a book that Max Licato wrote where he said he was t- about anxiety and he said um, that anxiety is going to happen in your life, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And I just love that because I've been in prison so many times and I just love this idea that God God came to set us free, right? Through Christ, free from sin, but also from our own selves. And so I just love the way an illustrator did a beautiful job of showing that visual of how she gets taller and taller and she finally stands and she's lifting her face towards the sun and towards uh, the one who made her. And that's what God has called each of us to do. Mm. Mary Holloman with us. Uh, She has written the book, The Anxious Lily. And uh, Don's right. It is beautifully illustrated, tells a uh, compelling story. And we want to connect you with this book. And you're going to find that link at our Facebook page. On Facebook, you're just looking for Don and Steve in the morning, and you're going to find what you need right there. Mary, appreciate your time this morning. 